I have a question for you. Have you ever felt like you have an addictive personality, like you don't have an off switch in anything? When you start something new, it becomes your sole focus, you're 100% in, and it feels good, and you like it, and you just want to do more of it. I'm willing to bet you're nodding your head yes right now, and I am right there with you. The good news is there's nothing wrong with you, and you may be surprised by how many people struggle with addictive behaviors. What are the characteristics of addictive behavior? What does it mean? How do you know if a behavior has become addictive? Well, let's talk about it. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. So addictive behavior is probably more common than you think. Like millions of people worldwide struggle with various forms of addiction from substance abuse to gambling, even internet addiction we hear so much about now. And we're going to get into the six major characteristics that define addictive behavior and shed some light on this topic. This isn't just important for personal knowledge, right? This is important even as a society. Like addiction has major consequences, not only for those of us that have it, but for everybody around us, our families, our communities. So it's important to understand the characteristics of addictive behavior. And before we dive into the actual characteristics, I want to start with a definition and kind of clarifying what we mean by addictive behavior. So this just refers to a pattern of actions or activities that an individual engages in repeatedly despite adverse consequences. These behaviors often lead to some sort of loss of control, right? Control over ourselves, our decisions, our outcomes, all of that stuff. And with these behaviors come some pretty serious physical, psychological, and social repercussions. Also, addictive behaviors come in various forms. They're not limited just to substance abuse. We are going to talk substance abuse throughout this podcast, but there are a ton of other addictive behaviors. And some of the most common ones that you may also relate to, because most of us have that addictive personality, right? Like I definitely have more than one compulsion (laughs) that I have to battle on a regular basis. So let's talk about some of the other ones. Substance abuse, of course, right? The excessive use of substances, whether it's drugs or alcohol, excessive use that leads to a physical or psychological dependence. There are also behavioral addictions. These are not substance-related. This is like gambling, sex, gaming, compulsive shopping. And this is just where you have this overwhelming urge to engage in the activity, whatever it is, often to the detriment of other parts of your life. 
Now we hear a lot about internet and social media addiction. So as technology continues to grow and becomes a bigger and bigger part of our lives, right? Addiction is is going to extend to the digital arena. And many people find themselves compulsively checking social media or playing games or browsing the internet for hours on end, right? Uh, Food addiction. Food can be a major source of addiction for some people. And whether it's overeating, binge eating, just having an unhealthy relationship with food, there are definitely addictive components there. Sex addiction, compulsive sexual behaviors, um, watching porn all the time, engaging in risky sexual activities. Another one that I feel like does not get talked about nearly enough is workaholism. Some people become addicted to work, dedicating an excessive amount of time and energy to their jobs, whether that is climbing the corporate ladder, working for yourself, whatever the thing is. But this comes at a huge expense to your health and usually your personal relationships, right? Because you're not around, you're constantly working. I can definitely struggle with some workaholism, although I've had to get much better at boundaries with that in the last couple of years. Another one, exercise addiction. And exercise generally is considered healthy, but it can become an addiction when it's taken to extreme levels because it leads to physical and emotional imbalances. Shopping addiction. This is the last one we're going to talk about. Compulsive shopping. You hear it all over. You see all the memes about retail therapy. And this can easily spiral out of control, causing financial difficulties, emotional distress. This is another one that can really take a toll on your personal relationships. And these are just a few examples. There are a million more, right? So let's explore the six major characteristics that are associated with addictive behavior. The first one I'm going to get into is the inability to stop. This is the most common thing I think that we all think about is not being able to stop even when you want to. A lot of people say they can stop if they want to, but they really aren't able to. And you may try to stop, and you may even succeed for a short while. I think we're all familiar with this, especially those of us with substance abuse. We're so familiar with this pattern, right? You can stop for a little while, but then you're unable to maintain that alcohol-free or drug-free lifestyle, and you end up right back where you started. Another problem when people stop right, and struggling with this inability to stop is cravings and withdrawal symptoms. You know, especially with certain drugs, the withdrawal symptoms can be so overwhelming and so painful with certain things that it's hard to get through even the withdrawal part without using again because it's so uncomfortable. And we hear this a lot with alcohol too, is the cravings, right? Like it's just, it's pretty overwhelming, certainly in the first couple of weeks, I would say 10 days, really, really hard, not only to get through withdrawal, but to battle those cravings. 
So the inability to stop, even when you want to, you can't. One thing I want to point out with this inability to stop, right? This is about lacking control. And you've probably heard me say this before. Really, when you're trying to control something, it's because you've already lost control of it, right? So you've already kind of lost the battle when you're trying to get into these control things. This is when we start putting rules on our drinking, right? We try to force ourselves to control it in one way or another. But something people talk about a lot in this lack of control is it's like people think the inability to stop has to do with how often you drink or how much you drink, how frequently you drink. And the inability to stop or that loss of control is more about once you start, can you stop? And I hear this a lot from binge drinkers where binge drinkers say, oh, well, I I only drink on the weekends, right? Or I only drink a few times a year. But again, it's not about the frequency with which you drink. It's about your ability to control your drinking once you start drinking. I don't care if you only drink once a year. If that once a year you are out of control and a total shit show, that's a problem, right? So the control thing isn't about being able to go some days in between drinking episodes. The control is about once you start, can you stop? Can you control your drinking enough to have one or two and walk away? Not just sometimes, but regularly. The next one is continued use, even with negative consequences. This is big and Again, anybody struggling with substance is going to relate to this, right? Because we do have negative consequences. And what happens is your substance becomes such a priority that you'll keep doing it regardless of the negative consequences. Even when you recognize there are going to be negative outcomes, you will still do it. Like we easily, I hear these stories all the time. You may recognize that you're creating some financial hardship, right? Especially drugs because, I mean, I guess alcohol a little bit more now because people are spending more on all these different drinks and wines. But even if you realize you're spending too much, you're not going to stop drinking, right? You might have relationship problems, Like your partner is like, dude, we got to chill out on this. This is getting crazy. We're fighting every time you drink. Your behavior's out of control. Like we've got to make some changes. But you'll continue drinking anyway. Maybe you have health complications, but you'll continue to drink anyway. Maybe you've had legal issues, right? DUIs and that sort of thing. Maybe you've lost your license, whatever. But you'll continue using despite negative consequences. Now, let me tell you something. There is not a non-addicted person on the planet that's going to get a DUI and keep drinking. It's just not going to happen. Just like you're not going to find a non-alcoholic person that has an inability to control their drinking, right? Or that has to put all kinds of rules around it because non-alcoholic people don't think about alcohol ever. It's not on their radar. They don't care about it. They don't care if it's going to be at the party or the gathering or the thing wherever they're going. They don't care at all. They just don't think about it. And that leads me to number three, a preoccupation with the substance or using the substance. 
a person with substance use disorder, you know you have other responsibilities. And think about this like on a Friday afternoon at work. You know that you're at work and you have responsibilities and there are things you need to be doing, especially because it's Friday. You know there's other stuff. But all of your energy and focus is going into thinking about and or planning your first drink as soon as you walk out of that joint on Friday afternoon. And maybe you're going to happy hour and maybe you spend your Friday afternoon calling all the people and texting all the people. You want to go to happy hour? How about we go to this place? Hey, this place is having this drink special. Hey, you want to come over to my house? I'm going to stop and get a bottle of wine on the way home, (laughs) right? You know you've got other things to be doing that you're preoccupied with the substance. And a lot of this too is because your brain has become dependent on the substance and it wants to seek it out on a consistent basis. And often like to your family and the people around you, they start to feel like, it. well, it looks to them like they don't matter because you're focus and energy is about the substance, right? So the people around you are like, dang, it's like, I'm not even important. You know, you could have come home and spent time with the kids, but you decided to go to happy hour. You said you'd be home by eight. You came home at 11, right? Preoccupation. You've probably heard me say before, I always say I had three phases of my life, right? I was either planning drinking, drinking, or recovering from drinking. That's preoccupied, right? Like it is every piece of my life. It was there and it was front and center. So let's move into number four, changes in behavior. When you use drugs or alcohol on a consistent basis, your personality is going to change and your habits are going to change. You may not want to engage in the activities that once were really fun to you. You may not want to be spending all the time with family and friends like you used to. You may not socialize with the same friends because you may have new friends now, right, that use or drink the way that you do. But you lose interest in things that used to bring you a lot of joy, that used to make you feel really good. And those changes in behavior are inevitable, right? Behavior changes are inevitable just in life, right? Like I hope you're growing and evolving and changing. That's good and healthy. Well, I hope you're growing up and evolving and changing. That's a very healthy thing. So you're going to change and evolve. But these are behavior changes where we start to isolate ourselves. And not only physically, you know, you may be saying, oh, no, I'm always drinking with my friends. I'm always out with my friends. I never drink alone. But that's not what I'm talking about. I was always with people, but I was very much alone. And I was isolated mentally and emotionally. I didn't let anybody in to my world. Nobody really knew me, regardless of how much time we spent together. Nobody knew how I felt on the inside. They didn't know how I felt about my drinking. They didn't know the sadness that I had. They didn't know the disappointment that I had. In those ways, I was very isolated. And that was a huge change in behavior for me because I was used to having very close tight people around me and people that I really trusted and had genuine friendships with. But once my drinking got super unhealthy and out of control, all of that behavior changed for me. Number five, increased use. 
Now, we all know this as tolerance, right? How I drank, when I started drinking in my early 20s, how I drank in my early 20s looked very different from when I got sober at 33. I drank way more by 33 than I could have ever even thought about drinking in my early 20s. And what happens is you need more and more of your substance to get the same good feeling. So you're kind of always in this deficit where you're chasing that high, you're chasing that good feeling, you're always trying to get that good feeling. And once you get to a more advanced stage of the game, it's harder and harder to get that really great feeling. I know for me at the end, for sure, I drank right through the good part because I drank so much and I drank so fast at that point. I didn't even get to enjoy that little piece of drinking time that was really relaxed and fun and felt good because I just drank right through it. And I'm sure if I had that experience, a lot of you did too. And maybe you're still having that experience. But my use, how many drinks I had continued to increase over the years. And that progression was so slow that I didn't even realize it was happening, right? Until it already had me. It already had me hostage before I figured it out. All right. Number six, withdrawal symptoms. And a lot of people are going to say, I don't have withdrawal symptoms, but let me tell you something. If you've ever had a hangover, you've had withdrawal symptoms. That's all a hangover is. It's withdrawal. The alcohol is leaving your body. It makes you feel like crap. Your brain becomes more alert saying, I need a drink, right? You need to give me more of that substance to make me feel good again. That's all withdrawal symptoms are. Or you hear people talk about the coffee headache, right? That's withdrawal. (laughs) You get a headache if you don't have the caffeine. That's withdrawal. Some people, certain drugs especially, those withdrawal symptoms are so heavy and so hardcore Like we talked about a few minutes ago, it makes it really challenging to stay clean and sober because it's so physically painful, those withdrawal symptoms. And this can be anything from, you know, muscle pain, headaches, sleeping issues, right? You can't sleep very well. Uh, For me, it felt like I had the flu. Really, that was my kind of detox was several days. I just felt really crappy and I sweated a lot. I had hot sweat, cold sweats. You know, it was kind of all over the place. I had a lot of body pain. It felt like I had the flu. But I didn't have seizures. And you may or may not know this, but alcohol is one of the only withdrawals that you can actually die from. It is incredibly dangerous. That's why we always recommend that you go do a medical detox or be seen by a doctor. I did not know that when I got sober and I just laid on my couch. I had my Rottweiler back then and I just laid on my couch with my Rottweiler and went through it because I didn't know. I had no idea it was dangerous. Um, Benzodiazepines is the other withdrawal that is very, very dangerous because both of those things are uh, nervous system depressants, right? So they'll shut down your heart and lungs. And if you do them together, then it's twice as dangerous. So, And there is no rhyme or reason as to who it's going to be really dangerous for and who it's not. There's no way to know that. It's not correlated to how much you drank or how often you drank. There really is just no way to know. I was perfectly fine, but I've definitely known people um, who have died from withdrawal. I knew a guy just a few years back that uh, had a seizure in alcohol withdrawal and fell in his kitchen and hit his head and was too weak to even call 911 for himself or call somebody to help him. So 
just don't mess with it. It's always best to be seen by a doctor or something like that with alcohol or benzodiazepines. Benzodiazepines are anti-anxiety meds like Xanax and things like that, clonopin. So anyway, we're going to recap these really quickly, and then I'm going to go through some questions that I get a lot, right? So number one was the inability to stop. Number two, continuing use even with negative consequences. Number three, preoccupied with substance use. Number four, changes in behavior. Five, increased use, right? That tolerance we were talking about. And six, withdrawal symptoms. So these are the six major characteristics of addictive behavior. And I'm sure you can relate some of this stuff to your behavioral addictions also. I know I certainly can. So what causes addictive behavior? This is something that floats around a lot. People are very curious about, and it really is influenced by a combination of things, right? There is a genetic component for sure. There's environmental, there's psychological factors, and all of these things are different for every person because we're all raised in different homes by different people, and we all have different experiences, right? So It's not surefire, even if you have the genetic predisposition, it's not definite that you're going to have substance abuse. It just makes you more susceptible. But those are really the big things. The genetic piece, I think they say if you have the genetic piece, it increases your chances of a substance addiction by like 50%, something like that. Uh, I might do another episode about that down the road. The other thing I get asked a lot is, can anyone become addicted? And This kind of goes with what I was just talking about. Yes, anybody can become addicted. Listen, if you drink enough, if you drink consistently enough for long enough, it is going to hijack your brain and you're going to become addicted. It doesn't matter. Like, you don't, if you do it long enough, and here's why because your substance, whether it's alcohol or drugs, whatever your thing is, it changes your brain structure and your brain function, right? So we hear this thing, is addiction a choice? Is it a choice or is it a disease? And people love to ar- people love to argue everything. I don't really care, to be honest with you. I don't care what you want to call it. Some people get really upset about it being called a disease. Uh, really, the disease model was more about um, creating more insurance coverage for addiction because that was what everybody freaked out about before, is that it was hard to get treatment and get it covered by your insurance. So the disease thing was, was a lot about being able to provide more care and resources for addiction. But it literally changes your brain in structure and function, physically changes your brain. This is huge. And this is where when you hear me talk about there are so many things going on below the surface that are so out of your control, this is what I'm talking about. So can anyone become addicted? Absolutely. You don't even necessarily have to have the genetic part. If you do it consistently enough, it is going to start taking, making those changes in your brain structure and your function, and you're going to end up with an addiction. The great news is obviously there are a ton of options for how to treat addiction, regardless what your addiction is, whether it's substance or behavioral, you know what to look for now in these six major characteristics of addictive behavior. You know what to watch for. If you're listening to me, you've probably already identified that you have some addictive behaviors and there may be more that you haven't identified yet, but it's all treatable. The beautiful thing about having addiction is it's super manageable. 
with the right tools. So get some help. There are plenty of online communities. There are plenty of in-person communities. We'd love to see you at all of them. And you know, I am here to be your personal coach in all of these things in great life change, getting control of your life back, feeling good again. And I will link in the show notes how to reach out to me if you want to see if we're a fit. I hope you're having a fantastic day and I will see you next week. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast, candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.